0: Timber
1: Welcome to French Track by Track. I'm your Darren, and today we'll be talking about when she comes from Hit and Run Phase 2, recorded on the 12th of March, 2010, uh, intended for the album Welcome to America. Uh, along with uh, A Thousand Light Years From Here which later became Black Muse um, and then eventually re-recorded a little bit in Autumn 2014 at Paisley Park and released on the 12th of December 2015 uh, On the track we have uh, the Welcome to America band which is Prince John Blackwell, Andrew Gosh, and the rest of the MPG Horns uh, I think he's the only one who I, 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 don't, I can't remember what other track Andrew Ghosh is on uh, he's a bassist on this track Uh, The track is 3 Minutes 45 and joining me to talk about today is Erica Thompson. Hello, Erica. Hello. Uh, Now, with this being your final appearance on the podcast, as I have been doing with all my guests, um, I'm going to briefly ask you about um, Prince's death, if you can recall where you were when you heard about it or, you know, your immediate thoughts uh, in the aftermath of it and, uh, you know, kind of uh, how it affected you back then.
0: Um, Sure. So I was at work, unfortunately. Um, I'm a reporter and I had actually just taken that job um, and Everyone knew that I was a huge Prince fan, and they knew that I was working on a book on Prince of Spirituality. And so getting the news and kind of hearing it around the newsroom, I felt like everyone's eyes were on me and seeing how I'd react to it. And that was just like a really uncomfortable feeling. And I will say I was numb. The entire day at work. And um, I didn't want to believe it. And it's kind of like when Michael Jackson died. It was like you didn't know if you should believe it, and then it turned out to be true, and now, like, TMZ is, like, a legitimate news source because of it, but, um, so, yeah, I remember people texting me and calling me and saying sorry, and my sister was texting me, and she was like, I don't believe this, I'm sorry, I just still don't believe this, so it was just, like, a moment of shock, and it took a while to sink in, and, um, then my job asked me to write, um, like, a tribute to him, and I, at first, I didn't really want to do it, but I'm glad I, I did it, and um, it, it kind of took me a while, like, I will say the B, um, BET did a Prince uh, tribute um, later that summer, and watching that is when I kind of, like, finally broke down about it, like, when the numbness wore off, so, um, yeah, I think that's, uh that's my memory of it. I think, As time has gone by, certain things have gotten easier. Like, I know there are fans who... Every year on April 21st, it's a hard day for them. It's not necessarily a hard day for me, but um, little things will hit me, like listening to this final album, Hit and Run Phase 2, or, or listening to When She Comes. It's kind of difficult to do because it's so final. Um, so there are just certain things that are still hard, but the day itself, um, fortunately, has gotten easier for me.
1: Yeah, I think the thing is as well, this is something that other guests have said is like if people knew you were like a prince fan then immediately people are all calling you as if like you know a member of your own family has died and it's like it was it's kind it was kind of weird because you know that's like i don't know if it's just all prince fans but it's just like if you're a prince fan the one thing people seem to know about you is that you're a prince fan (laughs) and so uh i don't know it just becomes very easy to identify us Um, And obviously, you know, people cope in different ways. I've done, you know, 350 episodes of a five, sorry, 530 episodes of a podcast about Prince uh, in an attempt to kind of get over it um, and just kind of appreciate, you know, like uh, what he did while he was alive. And like the not believing it thing was, I don't know, I think that comes from the fact that initially it was just reported as someone at Paisley Park, like it wasn't confirmed until it was Prince like a few hours later, and so I think there was a point where we could be like, oh, it's it's just somebody else at Paisley Park, it's, it's not Prince, um, and then obviously, you know, it was confirmed as definitely being Prince. Um, and I, I think everyone kind of remembers feeling, I mean, certainly that kind of the, the denial to start off with was, I don't know, was kind of maybe helped a little bit by the reports just being that someone had been kind of taken to hospital from Paisley Park um yeah but i mean yeah i mean i I don't know if the day is difficult anymore but certainly the first two the first couple of anniversaries were a little bit difficult i don't think i actually released episodes of this podcast on those days uh probably for that reason i kind of avoided it just because i didn't want to uh you know remind myself too much but yeah this final album is a very kind of hard listen um because obviously you know unlike david bowie who had kind of picked you know what his final album was and had kind of worked towards his final album. Or if you want to go with someone who, you know, has had more publicity recently, you know, Freddie Mercury, um, you know, the final album that he did with Queen, he knew was going to be the final album that they were doing. And, and you know, so when he had his press conference, it was like one day before he he actually died. And David Bowie released his album, what, two days before his death? So, you know, when when it can be planned like that, I guess it gives you a certain sense of closure. But with Prince, it's like... Well, Hit and Run Phase 2 was just, you know, a collection of other songs that Prince had kind of released over the last kind of, you know, few years before his death. And so there was a feeling that maybe he was recording more stuff and maybe there would be a Hit and Run Phase 3 or Phase 4 or, you know, however long his interest was staying on this whole Hit and Run thing, um it felt like there was this wasn't this definitely wasn't the final thing he intended to release. Um and it is kind of difficult when listening to, I mean, the weird thing is listening to songs from this final album that were actually recorded you know, five years before they finally got a release. That's the kind of weird thing is there's a few songs on this album that are kind of a lot older than even stuff that was on, you know, uh, Artificial Age or Plectrum Electrum or even Phase One. Uh, And so it's kind of odd that it's like the final album is is kind of, I don't know, classic Prince, I guess, you know, songs that he'd had lying around that he kind of re-recorded a little bit and then put onto a new album. Um, You know, it feels like that was kind of what Prince would do all the time in the 80s and 90s. And so it's, I don't know, I guess it's kind of reassuring that it's like, well, even towards the end, he was still kind of, you know, had more material that was ready. And he was just like, well, I guess... I guess this is an album that I've got to put out. Now I've got like twelve or thirteen tracks. I guess this is an album now, and and just kind of like here you go. You know this is this is hit and run phase two. And I think the fact that hit and run phase one was just called hit and run to start off with, and then changed to phase one suggests that Prince kind of knew he had enough material to sustain more than one album. Um, and there are like four or five songs that you know were released around this time that still you know haven't been put onto an album. You know they're still just kind of like digital singles or whatever um so it does feel like you know prince uh, definitely had more material um and i think you know the sadness you know which i said with a, a number of other guests is it's not just that prince died it's that he won't he won't be making you know we'll hear more stuff from him as you know he's got an extensive vault of of archive material but none of that will be like new songs you know It'd be new to us but it, they won't be new And I think that's like, it's going to be great to hear more stuff from the vault, but ultimately all you're hearing is, you know, Prince from 10 years ago or 20 years ago or however long ago, instead of hearing Prince's thoughts about today and, you know, whether or not he's still using a pager.
0: (laughs) Absolutely.
1: (laughs) Let's talk about when she comes, Uh, you know, which if I'm going to pick a genre, uh, I mean, you know, John Blackwell's on the drums and we've got the horns, so it feels fairly safe to say jazz. Um, you know, probably. And also, he, you know, Prince is doing that kind of light falsetto. So uh, kind of one of the kind of jazzier versions uh, of, of stuff that's on this album. Like I said, you know, Prince had an album called Welcome to America that he'd been recording stuff for. Uh, this was one of the songs that was on there along with um, you know, seven or eight other songs, none including one called Welcome to America, none of which have been released so far. <laughs> so um, I'm sure if, uh, if, if you know, if I was the one running the vault at the moment, I would be like, well, let's, you know, let's go back through some of the more recent stuff and maybe put out a couple of albums of stuff that's in the vault from two or three years ago rather than uh, you know, picking stuff from the early 80s. Um, you know, because I'm sure some of the fans would be interested to hear you know what Prince was working on a few years before his death, not just stuff from you know, nineteen eighty-eight or whenever, um, but yeah, I don't know. It it feels like a very kind of like um, I don't know, just like a very you know sweet kind of like jazz ballad. Um, you know, it's like it's very like there's not a huge amount in the in terms of the uh, you know the the kind of the um, the lyrics um but uh, i don't know i mean <laughs> i do love the she remains as we say a sweet bird of prey that's probably one of my favorite lines in the entire song <laughs> it's not very often that you can classify someone romantically as a bird of prey
0: <laughs> yeah i believe it's a prince to do that that's why <laughs> we love him um so there was i would actually classify this song as soul and um also the bass player andrew i believe he pronounces his last name Goucher. And um, there was an Ebony interview in 2015 done with Prince by the journalist Miles Marshall-Lewis. Um, it was taken down, though, but the transcript is still available online. And basically, Prince played each track of this album for Miles and talked about it, uh, for the most part. Um, so he did mention When She Comes, and he Prince said, recording like Al Green. And, I mean, this is just the, I, I would guess the the most blatant tribute to Al Green's music that Prince has ever done. It's got that gospel style um, with the horns the way Al Green would do it. And um, also, like, Al Green, like much like Prince, was a master of the sacred, mixing the sacred and the secular. So, like, if you change the lyrics, this could be a gospel song uh, very easily, um, but it's not. And um, it's really interesting because you have that innuendo, right? So, it could just be about a girl coming over to your house, <laughs> right? That could be one way. Uh, but then there's another way to look at it, too. And so you have that innuendo and, like, you know, Screwdriver, which is also on the album, too. And, you know, it's always it's, – it is very interesting because we know Prince was a Jehovah's Witness, but I think this is one of his most risque songs in years that he'd done, um, if you really listen to the lyrics. Um, but also – during that e- Ebony interview, uh, Prince said, regardless of what I'm singing about, it's all spiritual. This is a channel. So, you know, as Prince has been doing his whole career, I mean, he's always been, like, bre- blend- blending sex and spirituality, and I think this song is um, a perfect example of it. And I also interviewed Adrian Crutchfield, which he's not on this song, but he's a sax player. He played with Prince at this time, and he said, like, playing this song was like really spiritual for him just thinking about the music more so than the lyrics. So, um, I think this is a, a really powerful, sensual, beautiful song.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I guess like the title obviously, uh, is immediately an innuendo and I mean, <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, like uh, the, the whole kind of, uh, I, I don't know when she comes always unexpected, but never rejected. It's like, uh, I mean, you know, it's like, OK, Prince, you, you you might be saying that there's something spiritual here, but I think everyone is is kind of hearing, you know, the, the innuendo that you're putting out there. And, you know, as much as you want to say that, you know, there's something spiritual going on, a lot of people will just be like, well, uh, the whole thing of like a, a, a blue bed of roses, she never closes her eyes for his artful technique deserves a peek. It's like i i don't don't know if there's any other way to read that than you know with the 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 kind of this this kind of sexual or sensual meaning that it can have um and uh, the kind of like you know call it sublime because it happens when she comes uh so oh the sweet the taste the tears that roll down her face it's like I, i mean i don't i don't know if there's a spiritual way to taste people's tears but um, you know, I yeah, I, I I I I do kind of love the the fact that this is such a like you know it's not like um I, I don't know I I love the horn arrangements I think the thing is as well you know from you know from the first time that Prince had kind of horn players uh which you know by this point is you know almost like thirty years from from when this song was kind of uh released uh all the way up to the end I think um you know obviously, you know, any competent horn players can, can kind of, um, you know, kind of give you a good horn line, but I think it's obvious that, you know, Prince had a certain, a certain skill as an arranger and being able to kind of, um, you know, kind of say to them what he needed and kind of where they were to play. And like you say, it does, it does kind of have the, you know, let's get together Al Green kind of horn feel to it. And just kind of the light touch of just not having like overwhelming horns, um, you know, being a saxophone player myself, I know that if you if you have more than, you know, two or three horns together, it can kind of overwhelm everything. And so just having that kind of light touch of just occasional kind of punctuation from the horns is something that I always like on Prince songs. Um and then, you know, kind of kind of counterpoint to that kind of Prince's, you know, very kind of I mean, he's, you know, at this point there's no point kind of Beating around the bush. His wonderful vocals, you know the kind of the the kind of gentle falsetto and just like I don't know. He just he knows how to kind of you know deliver the lines. And even if maybe what he's saying is uh, a little bit smutty, even though he's pretending it's not, uh, I think the fact that he delivers them in such a kind of delicate way is probably one of the reasons why you know Prince could kind of get away with stuff like this. Where um, you know, I mean, he had an album that was titled "Come." And has like a 15 minute title track that literally at one point has the sound of him eating what sounds like a peach. Uh, like it's not like Prince didn't know what he was doing when he had the title of when she comes. you know, like I mean, it, you know, 20 years on, it's not like people are being like, where' there I'm sure he's just talking about people coming over to the house to, you know, but I I don't know, I still really enjoy this song, even if even if Prince is kind of denying the obvious innuendo in it. Um, and I think, you know, just even a couple of those lines, like, you know, like Sweet Bird of Prey," just does make me chuckle a little bit, but the whole, but, it, but straight after that, he says she flies and she's satisfied, which is a wonderful kind of like internal rhyme, but also has the innuendo of, of like someone, I, I, I just, I just love kind of, it's a, it's like such a kind of delicately balanced song. Um, and you know, the kind of, you know, the kind of the, even the final lines where it's like, you know, filled with delight, like the 4th of July when she comes, it's like, the idea of like fireworks going off, like instead of saying fireworks, he says the Fourth of July. Like I don't know, I just I just love as a lyricist. I think Prince can be a little bit underrated, and I think kind of using imagery like that is quite inter- interesting. Even if he does say a, a limoncello ballet, which I, I'm I mean I can't say I've drunk much limoncello, but I I don't recommend it. Like uh, I feel like Prince is maybe picking the wrong drink there, uh, but maybe he's just going for the, so he can get the rhyme with psychedelic cabaret. You know, like I don't know. Uh, and apologies to Andrew for pronouncing his his name wrong. I figured whichever way I picked would always be incorrect.
0: <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, it's funny, I agree with you about um, Prince being an underrated lyricist. And it's so funny because like he can be so poetic sometimes and then just like, <laughs> some of the things that he writes can just be so silly at other times. And so it's kind of like you never know what you're going to get. But I kind of like um, this this type of bookend because if you think about Soft and Wet, you know, that had the same amount of innuendo but When She Comes is such more is so more sophisticated, and it's innuendo, and it's it's just beautiful the way he writes this song. So I, I really let, love being able to kind of compare the start of his career to the end of his career um, that way. And I, I will also say, um, in that interview, in that Ebony interview, he talks about he's just playing like a little keyboard on this, but he just likes the fact that he can be a teacher to the other musicians on the track, and there's a lot. Of collaboration, and in that interview, he also talks about Paisley Park being sort of an academy. Um, so I, I really do like that he was kind of opening himself up a little bit more to some collaboration, which sometimes works and sometimes doesn't. Uh, but um, going back to the whole spirituality thing, not to get too deep, but. I think Prince, uh, considered sex to be a spiritual act. Um, so you can definitely, uh, look at it that way when he talks about, um, regardless of what he's singing about, it's all spiritual. Um, but you know, overall, this is just, just a really, as I said earlier, beautiful song. And it's one of my, one of my favorite from, uh, this project.
1: Yeah. I would say for me, probably, uh, you know, a four out of five. Uh, you know, I, I think it's, it's really well executed. I, I, I think maybe like, because it's so kind of delicate, it does, to me, it kind of feels like it, you know, there's a danger of it just kind of like blowing away because it's, it's so kind of like, it's not it, like, it's not, um, you know, like the kind of, if you even think back to like, you know, Plectrum Electrum where he's playing like rock for most of that album, and then you think of something like this and it's so kind of like gentle and delicate and finely balanced and uh i don't know it just like i I don't think it can be a five just because i think um maybe it's a little underdeveloped uh you know like it it feels like maybe there's maybe a couple more verses that he could have kind of if he'd got if he'd got a chance to go back to it and maybe kind of expanded it just a tiny bit uh then maybe it'd be a five for me but as it is i feel like you know it's a little tiny bit underdeveloped and, and so probably can't go any higher than a four
0: yeah, I kind of went back and forth between a four out of five and a five out of five. Uh, but but just because it's such a direct tribute to me to Al Green, um, like I hear more Al Green in it than Prince. Uh, but I would still give it a five out of five because if I think about like all of his ballads, I would tend to listen to this one more than say something like "Scandalous," which is probably sacrilegious <laughs> to people. But um, this is more interesting to me so I think I rated a five out of
1: five Prince played this a little bit on the tours that he did afterwards and the final time he played it was in New Zealand on the 24th of February 2016 uh, which is my brother's birthday uh, so, <laughs> so uh, yeah so and he, he basically it was you know just played on piano and microphone and I can kind of see how that would work on piano and microphone obviously if you know If you search uh, YouTube, you can always find performances from those last few tours, uh, certainly. Um, But yeah, I don't don't know. I think uh, it's kind of interesting. I mean, also, that show went on for quite a long time. It was like two and a half hours almost. Um, There's a lot of songs that Prince fit into that. Uh, But obviously, a lot of the piano and microphone stuff, he tended to kind of turn stuff into kind of extended medleys uh, to fit stuff in. Uh, but yeah, I don't know, just like a really kind of, I don't know, just a really nice kind of like ballad that kind of just works, um, you know, and uh, like we say, this kind of, the the kind of mixture of Prince kind of, you know, almost winking at you and saying, you know, when she comes and, and then, and then immediately kind of looking at you as if to say, I don't know what you think, you know, I mean by that. I'm just talking to, and I I do kind of love that kind of playfulness that Prince always had of like, you know, he would, he would kind of do stuff where he knows, he knows what you're thinking, and then he would kind of deny that he even had that idea, and and that seems to be what this title is. It's like him being like, "Oh yeah, she's someone's coming over to my house." Like, there's, I don't know what you're thinking of, you know, and uh, and I, I just love that. That's kind of uh, just kind of in the even from the title of the song. There's a certain playfulness, and obviously that's you know one of the things that everybody kind of loved about Prince. So I feel like we said about as much as we possibly can about when she comes. So let's go to plugs. Is there anything you wish to plug, Erica?
0: Yeah. Um, before I do that, since this is my last episode, Darren, I just want to thank you for allowing me to participate in this project. And this is, as you said, you've done over 500 episodes. So this is a, a truly truly a labor of love. And I thank you for it. And I think um, hopefully as uh, younger people in the future discover prints and they feel like they want to have um, some commentary Um, on the songs that they're discovering they will uh, find this online so I I just think that um, I want to let you know how much I appreciate it Um, and I write about Prince and spirituality and sexuality (laughs) you can uh, find that at apurpledayindecember.com and you can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at Miss M-I-S-S underscore E Thompson E-T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N
1: And you can find us on Facebook at PrinceTrapbyTrack or on Twitter at Podcast. Or you can email us, not sure why you would at this particular point at PrinceTrapbyTrack at gmail.com. Thanks once more for being my guest here, one final time, Erica. Thank you. And otherwise, goodbye. I just
0: came to tell you from the darkest desperation to the highest bliss. Power to the ones away. That's my guitar.